the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Department of Justice says the appointment of a special master would slow down their investigation. They're fighting awfully hard to, to, to not turn over the information in the affidavit. UN Human Rights Council details China's treatment of Uyghurs as possible crimes against humanity. Pressures will not affect my decisions. The Biden administration misappropriates the HEROES Act to enact student loan debt forgiveness. That shows that the statute's being violated. This is the Daybreak Insider Podcast, your first look at today's top stories for Thursday, September 1st. I'm Mike Scott. According to a court filing, the DOJ took a strong step when they sought a search warrant after obtaining information that classified documents remained at Mar-a-Lago. It was considered to be shocking due to the assurances of the Trump team that all classified documents had been returned per a May 11 grand jury subpoena. The DOJ court filing says, in part, the government also developed evidence that government records were likely concealed and removed from the storage room and that efforts were likely taken to obstruct the government's investigation. According to a new report, some of the documents obtained from the Trump home included Roger Stone's clemency paperwork and a lot of other confidential documents. The FBI seized about 26 boxes in total, as well as a box of documents containing what they believe is top secret information, according to a receipt of items in the filing. In that filing, the DOJ also argued that Trump's team had no standing over the presidential record because those records do not belong to him per the Presidential Records Act. The DOJ also went on to suggest that should the judge appoint a special master, the claims of attorney-client privilege should be limited to materials already identified by the government. Andy McCarthy is senior fellow at the National Review Institute and a National Review contributing editor. Join the Salem Radio Network to discuss the latest news from the raid on Mar-a-Lago and if a magistrate judge has the authority to sign off on a search warrant. Magistrate judges, there was. I'm glad you asked because there's a lot of confusion about this. They're not presidential appointees. Right. They're not, as we say, Article, Article three, 3 judges. Right. You know, they're not, they're not uh, district court or appellate court or Supreme Court justices. They are appointees of the court. They work for, they're, they're picked by the judges. They work for the judges. They're allowed to, their main job is actually to, you know, these judges all have um, enormous civil dockets. 
and they, their main job is to like referee discovery disputes and yep. civil litigation, which yep. which is an enormous job. But one of the things they're allowed to do is uh, is sign search warrants. McCarthy says that while there is no criminal penalty directly linked to the Presidential Records Act, there may be one statute that could invoke a criminal investigation. It's not criminal law at all, but, you know, it's interesting what they've done here. So the Presidential Records Act covers all of the president's materials, which really aren't the president's. They used to be up until the Carter administration. Right. But when the Congress enacted the Presidential Records Act, they changed the assumption. So presidential records are the property of the United States, meaning the government. Mm -hmm. Uh, They are not the property of the president, which is a very important distinction here. But as you point out, when Congress enacted this, they didn't put any criminal law teeth in it. The idea was that this is going to be worked out to the extent there were disputes between the president and the National Archives. And what they've done here is they have a criminal statute, Section 2071, which was enacted after the Presidential Records Act, that makes it a crime to remove or conceal or, like, convert to your own use any government record. McCarthy goes on to say that, in his opinion, the Department of Justice will not charge Donald Trump with any criminal activity. Did they have probable cause for the warrant? Yes. The reason I don't think they're, that means they're going to prosecute is they're fighting awfully hard Seth, to, to not turn over the information in the affidavit. Yeah. And in a normal criminal case, you do the searches at the end when you make arrests. Yep. And everybody does that with the expectation that the affidavits are going to be turned over to the defense and discovery and eventually become public documents. Right. So it seems to me that it doesn't make sense for them to be fighting this hard to conceal this information if in a couple of weeks they're just going to charge this guy and all of it becomes discoverable anyway. McCarthy explains that, in his opinion, the DOJ may be simply more concerned with finding out what information may have been seen by unauthorized people rather than a Trump prosecution. The intelligence community has to assume that, you know, covers may have been blown. Sure. And then you have to worry, do we have to pull informants out? Are people's lives in danger? Sure. Is there some sensitive intelligence gathering method that we have that's been blown? And was it blown three months ago such that, like, the Chinese have been feeding us misinformation or disinformation for, you know, this period of time? So... Until they have the documents back and can account for everything that might have been seen by somebody who wasn't authorized to see it, they can't really do a full security assessment to see how we may have been compromised. And being able to do that, the FBI and the intelligence community, is much more important than whether they can prosecute Trump or not. The International Atomic Energy Agency made their way toward Ukraine's Zaporizhia power plant the largest nuclear plant in all of Europe on Wednesday. The mission had been sought after the site being shelled due to the raging war around it. The IAEA team arrived in the war-torn country in order to try and safeguard the plant and to prevent a catastrophe from the fighting. A battle in early March caused a brief fire at a training complex, and in recent days... The plant was temporarily knocked offline because of damage, heightening fears of a radiation leak or a reactor meltdown. 
Rafael Grossi, director general of the IAEA, spoke with reporters on the scene and says that he and his team are in Ukraine to try and simply prevent a nuclear disaster. My mission is a technical mission. It's a mission that seeks to prevent a nuclear accident um, and to preserve uh, this uh, important, the largest, the biggest nuclear power plant in Europe. Grossi also says that even though the plant is under Russia's control, the IAEA has the right to inspect that facility due to their arrangements with Ukraine. Well, as you know, this is part of uh, Ukraine, currently occupied by Russian forces. But it is clear for us that this is a, an Ukrainian facility. And if we are here, our, our, our authority, um, legal uh, competence to be here is clearly established by the safeguards agreement that we have with the Ukraine. Meantime, taking a look at China, the United Nations human rights body is expected to release a report that details China's human rights abuses against the Uyghur minority group. Michelle Bachelet, the UN High Commissioner of Human Rights, has promised to release the report by the end of the month. However, Bachelet has said that China will be given input on the report during a customary period of review. In an interview, Bachelet says China is allowed time to look at that report. I had uh, fully intended for it to be released before the end of my mandate, and we're trying very hard to do that. Now we have received uh, substantial input from the government and that we will need to carefully review because this is standard procedures. Every time we share a report or findings or assessment with any government, we give them time to give us a factual comments, and then we uh, identify if those factual comments uh, uh, needs to be included or not, or needs to be review Mm -hmm. to see if all those comments really uh, um, can um, bring different perspective on some of the issues. And we do this with all governments of the world. Bachelet goes on to say that despite pressure from China to not release the report, she will do so anyway. I have to say I have received pressures to public and not to public. But from every side, and but I have to say, uh, any decision and anything that will happen, it will never. If I will not publish or publish uh, um, uh, due to any such pressure, I will never do something like that. I can assure you, pressures will not affect my decision. According to a spokesman from the Chinese government, China claims the internment camps and labor programs promote ethnic unity, encourage economic development, and combat terrorism. However, the U.S. and Many human rights organizations have accused China of committing genocide. Last week, President Biden unveiled his long-anticipated student loan forgiveness plan. And since then, there has been no lack of debate from its economic impact to its ethical ramifications. According to many experts, the plan will clear out the debts of about one-third of federal student loan borrowers, and ironically, they say it could end up making college even more expensive for future generations. The program includes $10,000 in loan forgiveness for individual borrowers and $20,000 for Pell Grant recipients, erasing an estimated $300 billion in student debt if it passes legal challenges with some 90% of the benefits 
going to Americans earning less than $75,000 annually, but that is according to White House estimates. However, some critics are suggesting that the Biden plan is illegal, as the White House is misusing the HEROES Act in order to enact student loan forgiveness. Jonathan Emord is a constitutional law attorney and author of The Authoritarians, Their Assault on Individual Liberty and the Constitution. And he joins the Daybreak Insider podcast to discuss the White House student debt forgiveness plan. There's a lot to the HEROES Act, but with regard to education, uh, under Section 1098BB, um, that is the provision that the Biden administration, the Secretary of Education, is using to waive the $500 billion of student loans, or $600 billion, maybe a trillion in student loans. And it doesn't apply. The section really is being abused here. Emore states that, in his opinion, the statute in the HEROES Act is being violated. That would mean that, you know, you have to suffer a direct economic hardship in order to qualify under this section. And furthermore, it has to be such that it would actually reduce, put you in a worse position to pay off your loan. So, of course, they're not looking at that at all. They're just blanket granting the waiver. And uh, that shows that the statute's being violated. Emort explains that Biden's student loan forgiveness plan violates the Constitution because such an act would need to go through the legislative branch. And the other thing is, um, it really violates the Constitution because the statute's not being followed by the executive branch. And the this is a legislative move to apportion $500 billion to a trillion dollars in forgiveness of loans to the government without first getting specific legislation to do that. Because the act they cite doesn't give them that authorization. It was certainly not intended to enable a mass elimination of student loans. Some 80% of student loans are being wiped out by this action. But, you know, those those are among the legal problems. The constitutional law attorney goes on to say that while challenges to the Biden debt forgiveness plan may be on the horizon, they may have a problem withstanding. Well, the biggest problem that groups suing the Biden administration uh, may confront is uh, the issue of standing, legal doctrine that determines whether you can get into court. And you have to be able to show that you suffer a concrete and particularized injury as a result of the government's action. And that in addition, the action, the, the injury is, is one that is traceable directly to the action being taken. That creates a, a hardship, you know, difficulty, because in most instances, you're, a person would not have been adversely affected by a, a, the government for giving a loan. And taxpayer standing is ordinarily rejected by the court because the court says that it's not unique. It's characteristic of all taxpayers. So it doesn't meet that concrete, particularized injury requirement. Emore tells the Daybreak Insider that while loan servicers may have a better case to sue, the statute is being abused, so the White House will most likely lose any lawsuit. Loan servicers who are getting shafted by this 
would uh, either because of increased regulatory burden or because of a loss of revenue would be uh, excellent candidates to sue. And I suspect um, some will arise who have standing um, and would be able to proceed. But this is uh, relatively low-hanging fruit as far as picking this one uh, uh, aside in this one because it's so patently contrary to the statute what they've done. And so clearly uh, beyond the power of the president in the absence of express congressional authorization. So I think they'll lose. Emor goes on to say the plan will help rich kids who don't have a problem paying their bills. They're they're canceling the debt of rich kids. That's really what it's about. Uh, all the people who have worked for a living and paid taxes are being forced to bear the burden of this. People who haven't gone to school have to bear the burden of it if they're working. People who are in the economy at all are, are paying for this. So it's 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 picking your pocket to pay for a privilege. Uh, and many of these kids are uh, getting professional degrees, um, and they don't have a problem paying their bills. The authoritarian's author states that the unintended impact of the move will be to increase the cost of college. It's, it's a disgusting thing that they're doing. What are the long-term impacts? It's going to cause inflation. It's going to increase the cost of, of college. It's going to increase demand to go to college because many people will assume that if the government did, did it this uh, time and got away with it, that they'll do it again. So they'll go ahead and assume debt that they may not be able to pay. More people will assume that debt for school. More people will go to school and perhaps default or uh, because they're, they're hoping in this uh, expectation that the Biden administration could not deny them when they ask for a bailout. Emord says that student debt forgiveness will also impact the moral character of the country. It, it also has a very perverse effect on people's thinking. These, uh, a lesson is, is taught that is, that is detrimental. We, as a people, honor our debts. We have to, for the economy to work at all. You have to honor your commitments financial commitments and otherwise. You have to be honest. You have to have integrity. And you have to be able to uphold your commitment. If you commit to pay something, you should be required to pay it. If you are uh, allowed to avoid that by action of the government, then the necessity of upholding that golden rule uh, is diminished substantially such that you will disregard other indebtedness potentially. Emord suggests that in order to fight back against these types of policies, all eligible voters should register and vote in the midterms. In the end, if we can get Joe Biden out of there in 2024 and have someone who's dedicated to limited government restoration of the Constitution and cutting government spending and, and securing the southern border, we can save our nation from utter destruction. Otherwise, we're really looking at a dire picture for the next uh, uh, several years, so that's uh, that, that's uh, there's hope here, but we need to take advantage of it. Everybody who uh, can vote should vote. Uh, people who are committed to saving this country need to stand up and fight for it now. A special thank you to Jonathan Emord for joining the Daybreak Insider podcast. For more on Mr. Emord, follow him on Twitter at Jonathan W. Emord or visit his website at emord.com. 
the border wall in Arizona has some issues. Daybreak Insider's John Scott has more on this story. Plans for more barriers in Yuma is a reminder of obstacles that the federal government always faces. Difficulty working on tribal lands and private property. When the Biden administration announced plans to award a contract this fall to plug gaps in the Yuma border wall, Arizona Governor Doug Ducey said he couldn't wait and last week finished installing 130 double-stack shipping containers. So far, they've had no discernible impact. Hundreds of migrants have continued walking through tribal lands before dawn each day. John Scott reporting. In California, Los Angeles County has implemented a basic income program in which 1,000 residents receive $1,000 a month for the next three years. The recipients in the pilot program were randomly chosen from a pool of more than 180,000 who applied. Participants in the L.A. County program must be 18 and have a household income under $56,000 for a single person or $96,000 for a family of four, amongst other requirements. Fox 11's Mario Ramirez explains details on how the program will work. This is how it'll work. City officials say over 3,000 families will receive $1,000 a month in direct cash payments for up to a year. And to qualify, applicants have to live in the city of L.A., have an income at or below the federal poverty level, have at least one child or be pregnant and have experienced some hardship related to the pandemic. More than a quarter of participants will be residents in parts of downtown and South L.A., which have the highest percentage of people living in poverty. And unlike other assistance programs, there are no rules on how the money can be spent here. This L.A. County man is not a fan of the program and believes it would be better if people simply tried to work. We've had a labor shortage for quite a while, and with stuff like this that keeps coming in, more handouts from the government, stuff like that, it gives people more reasons to just keep the labor shortage going instead of just, you know, putting more people at work, getting the economy moving, let money actually move around a lot more how it should be. The money is being transferred in the program through a debit card with recipients reported to be ranging in age from 18 to 91. Administrators will keep in touch with participants throughout the program and help them reach personal and financial goals. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen on Wednesday warned that a failure to place a price cap on Russian oil will hurt the global economy. The EU has decided to ban nearly all oil from Russia by the end of the year. It will also ban insuring and financing the maritime transport of Russian oil to other countries. Unless a price cap is implemented, prices will almost certainly spike. Treasury Secretary Yellen warned that a failure to place a price cap on Russian oil will impact the global economy. So critically, we also know that without a price cap, we face the threat of a global energy price spike if the majority of Russian oil production gets shut in. Yellen says that while there has been substantial progress toward making the price cap a reality, it's not happened yet, but she is optimistic. The price cap will advance our two key objectives. The first, of course, is reducing revenues that Putin needs to continue waging his war of aggression. And the second 
is maintaining a reliable supply of oil to the global market. And finally, NASA will try again Saturday to launch its new moon rocket on a test flight after engine trouble halted the first countdown this week. If successful, it will be the first capsule to fly to the moon since NASA's Apollo program 50 years ago. Daybreak Insider's Mike Gracia is monitoring the pre-launch activities at Cape Canaveral. After a scrubbed first attempt earlier this week, NASA will try again Saturday to launch its new moon rocket on a test flight. Engine trouble halted Monday's countdown, and NASA managers said Tuesday they're changing fueling procedures to deal with the issue. A bad sensor could also have been the source of the problem. Years behind schedule, the $4.1 billion test flight of NASA's Artemis Moon Exploration Program aims to send the capsule around the moon and back with three test dummies on board. If successful, NASA could send astronauts around the moon as soon as 2024 and attempt a lunar landing in 2025. I'm Mike Gracia. Subscribe to the Daybreak Insider podcast at Apple or Google Podcast, Spotify, or SalemPodcastNetwork.com. Get our companion Daybreak Insider newsletter each morning at DaybreakInsider.com. Ongoing coverage of breaking news and commentary at SRNNews.com and TownHall.com. Thanks for starting your day with us. I'm Mike Scott. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.